This episode of Inspire Living with Rodney and Steve is brought to you by Metaphysics Pilates Bootcamp. Metaphysics Pilates Bootcamp is the most complete and amazing class you will ever take in your life. What it consists of is you start out in the beginning of the class of doing some high interval training where you're working with TRX straps, you're working with slam balls, you're working with body weight, weight exercises, BOSUs, and heavy bags, and all kinds of fun stuff to burn those calories that you're looking to burn and get the get into the best shape of your life. And at the end of each class for the last 25 minutes, 20, 25 minutes, we work on traditional Pilates where we're utilizing mat exercises, Pilates springboards, and just really toning and strengthening and lengthening the body to give an overall complete workout that your body needs. And Pilates is just amazing. I can't say enough about it because it's amazing just what it does to inform the body. If you're a, if somebody who sits at the desk all day long, it just allows you to be able to sit at that desk better, more relaxed, in proper form, and having much more stability because you're strengthening those stability muscles, those the core muscles to allow you to be able to do the job that you're doing at this point in time and it can inform anything in your life whether you're a martial artist or you're a cyclist you're a runner you're a hiker whatever it is it's really going to help to be beneficial in whatever it is that you are doing in your life so i highly recommend you try metaphysics Pilates boot camp your first class is always free anybody who listens to this podcast gets 10 percent off your first month membership so i Definitely 100% take advantage of that 10% off. If you have any questions or concerns, you want to book that first class, you can give us a call at 585-425-1113. You can email steve at meta-fitx.com. Our website is www.meta-fitx.com as well. You can check out all information and what we have up on our website as well. All right, thanks a lot, guys, and I look forward to seeing you in class class enjoy the podcast and we will talk to you soon what's up everyone this is inspire living with rodney and steve today we have two awesome guests here our first guest is bill he's a writer philosopher and a connoisseur of history and then we have Elijah, who is a local real estate developer entrepreneur and he's also the owner of la casa restaurant today we're going to hang out talk about uh who the hell knows what, but it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun, I can guarantee it. So what's up, everybody? How's everybody doing today? Yeah, thanks for coming, guys. Yeah. Hey, no problem. Thanks. So, uh, yeah, um, I think just kind of getting it going, right? Um, I think what we like to try to do here is just really get people to get off their ass and do stuff, um, inevitably, right? Like, it's... Uh, what is that initiation to get people going? So both of you guys are in different realms, but let me ask you the question. When you want something in life, how is the process of going after it, whether you're writing or you're approaching a new property, what is that process that you individually take to kind of start, to get you going, that first step? Huh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Pressure's on. Right? <clears throat> I think for me, um, my motivation comes from the, an emotional roller coaster that I live on. And I constantly go through these phases in my life where <clears throat> I, um, if I'm not doing enough and I'm not feeling productive enough in my life, I, I tend to fall into 
I, maybe a sort of depression, and then the best way for me to get out of it is to be active and to start looking for projects. And then what I usually do is find way more than I can handle, get myself completely stressed out, and take myself right to the edge of what I can do, to a breaking point, and then I tell myself, okay, now I gotta stop and just catch up and get all this done, and then I go through the whole cycle over again, over and over, it's just like riding this wave. And that's, I don't know, that's the waves. It's like riding this wave of life, and that's really, I mean, that's where I find my motivation, though, is like, if I get too bored, I start to get depressed, and I need to find something to do with myself. It's funny that, that I find that myself too. Like uh, all of a sudden, I have like boredom on hand because things kind of slow down in my life, and then like, oh, I can take something else on. And next thing you know, I have way too much fucking going on, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. it's yeah. like, what was I thinking? Why was I thinking I could do this? Right. And then and then it always comes down, and it, and it's kind of like last podcast we were talking about the wave and like cycles, right? Like. Um, through like even when you're taking psychedelics and like you kind of spin, 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 spin super, super fast and then it slows down and it goes through these cycles of spinning super fast and slowing down and it, it, that actually happens in life, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely that emotional roller coaster that, uh, <clears throat> that, that need to get away from the boredom, the mundaneness that, uh, that you, one can see in everyday life that can really just kind of you know, drag you down. Uh, for me, that uh, and also just uh, uh, fascination, right? So I, uh, you know, went through uh, college and uh, grad school and got a master's degree in philosophy, and that it was just this drive, this fascination. Like, wow, all these people who think these crazy thoughts about whether it's it's uh, how do we have knowledge or, or different ethical ideas or or just the nature of the universe in and, in and of itself. You know, you start, you get exposed to these, at least for me, and I was just like so in awe of it, and just so like, oh my god, I need to know more, and I need to know more and more and more, and uh, uh, you know, it's it's funny because ultimately, what got me out of that was the was the thing that philosophy is really about is exploring. And that's people, because I thought philosophy was going to be this one field out of all the others where you're going to get people who aren't going to try to backstab each other who are going to be more concerned with putting out this great content and all that. But no, once you get to the grad level, there's so few jobs available that everyone is just trying to screw everyone else as hard as they can. You know, so uh, ultimately that's why I got disillusioned with that. But uh, as far as being like a writer, I have always enjoyed that. I've always enjoyed, and philosophy gave me that freedom to write uh, in an academic sense and write these really tactical style papers and, and work on that. So now that I just kind of write for a living, I kind of bring that into play, but I'm also able to be more creative too. So it's nice to be able to kind of join those two worlds. Creativity is a huge motivating factor in my life too. Yeah. When I can find myself in a place where I can be creative and be productive, mm-hmm. that's, that's like a sweet spot right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. eventually, inevitably the goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, in, in my own business, the same thing. Like, my, I'm, when I'm creating the new ideas or come up with a new class idea or come up with a new way to, to um, you know, bring people in or a new business idea, that is when I'm the most excited and can just work for hours. And it, that's, that's, I think that's, and that range true for everybody. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that we, we shut down in our lives is that creativity because it's mm. because creativity just takes you on a path you have no fucking idea where you're going to go right. you know and sometimes you lose time you lose you lose focus and everything else and you're just focused on that creativity and I think a lot of people get super scared of that and and just 
focus on, okay, I just need to go to work, work my nine to five, come home, and then you get super tired, and then you don't work on the creative end of things, and then it just starts to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. So when you can find what you're creative with and what your passion is, and then also make money at doing that, or, or, or start to do that and get down that path, that's when you found, that's when you found true, true happiness and working yeah. on who you truly are and, and what you're meant to be on this earth. So I think that my little tangent here is, you know, find what you're creative at doing and fucking just do it, even if it's a little bit, you know? Yeah, I think, and what you said with the nine to five is, is so key. <clears throat> All the times in my life that I've really just found it so hard to think of anything to, to write or even have any creative thoughts whatsoever. It's when you're, you're in that drag of working every day and you're going to do this job where you do the same thing over and over and there's nothing new there. And it's just, you know, you start to feel like a little dead inside. You know, and it just it just starts to and that eats at you when you get out of work too, right? Because then you know you have I'd always have that thought when I'm going in, when I get out, you know, when I get out tonight, you know, that's when I'm gonna like get some stuff done and and, yeah. and, and work on the stuff I want to work on that I want to do ultimately with my life. But by the time you get out, you're so freaking exhausted that it's yeah. just like uh, all I want to do is just like have a beer and just not talk to anyone and just like be mindless watching YouTube or something, you know? Veg. Yeah, yeah, veg. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think it's uh. You know, like it's a muscle, right? Creativity, like, and, and, and people get stuck in like mundane lives and then they don't use that creativity, right? Like everything yeah. is told to them and done to them and, and thrown at them by all the sources that we have, whether it's social media, Netflix or whatever. And they don't actually tune into that part of their brain where it's like problem solving, right? Like, so when you guys run into like issues, whether it's a writing block or like certain stuff when you're, you know, um, building a property up and like, how do you kind of figure shit out? You know, whether mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I don't know how to take this story somewhere or like there's a, some kind of problem as far as like, you know, within building something or. Yeah. So this is like something I, I have to do with every single day, especially when I'm knee deep in a project like I am right now, I'll, I'll come across a problem. And if it's one that I can't figure out, or maybe more importantly, I don't want to figure out right now because I don't want to rush the decision. I want to figure out a creative way to solve it. I just avoid um, dealing with it. I completely avoid dealing with it. I'm like, no, I'm going to work. I'm going to let my brain not um, psychotically think about resolving this right now. And I'm going to think about something else and I'm going to revisit that. And, and then I found that with me, like if I can get myself to stop obsessing over it and let myself work on something else, because there's always other things you can work on that eventually I figure out a resolution that I can be happy with. But every time I ever rush into it, well, that, that makes a lot of sense because I mean like it's something I always say in like my yoga classes without space there's no possibility and when we're constantly shoveling shit on top of shit and we're trying to figure out things on top of things like there's no possibility to actually think right mm -hmm. and if you can create that space whether it's like you know like I would imagine like in writing or, or anything like when you can get present and like drop all these ideas for a second, like whether it's yoga or meditation or something like that, it allows you to like revisit these things from a clear space. Yeah. You know where I do my best uh, creative thinking? In the shower. In the shower in the morning, like when I'm standing there, it's like soaping off. 
when you're soaping it's, off. It's soaping and soaping up. But no, that's what that's it's it's weird. But that's seriously that's where like for some reason I don't know if it's like the the heat from the shower or what. But like my brain just starts kicking out all these like like new inventive thoughts, you know. Um, but yeah, like I'll get writer's block. If I'm working on something, like a creative piece, you know, because I, like, I write different stuff. Like, I do, like, some ad copy, and with that, there's really not that much creative stuff involved. You're kind of just giving the customer what they want. But if I'm really just doing, like, sitting down doing a creative piece, and I start blocking on where I want, like, a story to go or where I want, like, a, a you know, like a piece on politics to go or something like that, yeah, I will stop and just kind of walk away from it. You know, and I'll just like, I'll go do something else for a little bit because those, those kind of inspiring thoughts that you can build off of, at least for me, they, they, they have, they, they, they come into your brain. You know, it's like, you can't force them out. You know, they, they kind of, it's inspiration, right? It just kind of comes to you. And then once that comes to you, well, then you can build off of it. But without that first spark being there, you, there's really nothing you can do. That's true. I think you just got to trust your experience because you mm -hmm. know that eventually if you, cut yourself some fucking slack to take a break from it. It'll come to you in yeah. the same way. Like eventually if I can just let myself have the time, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I always do. One way or the other. There's no way not to, right? Right. You're always gonna yeah. figure it out. You know? Like <laughs> yeah. you don't need to figure it out that immediate second. And I think that's the part that a lot of people struggle with. I struggle with. Yeah, well we have that it's that. unresolved. Well that's what but our society's like, all about. Uh, like instant so, gratification. Of, of being unresolved. <laughs> I want it now. Yeah. I want it now. Press yes. the button. Yes. Take the pill. We're a bunch of needy children in modern day America. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's very true. Definitely true. So what um, what got you into real estate and, and, and getting, what, what brought you on that path that you're well, I always, on now? I always kind of joke that I got into real estate because I couldn't hold a job. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, I really, literally got fired from every job I ever had. <laughs> but during the last job that I had, I had um, bought a house for myself, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed the process of mm -hmm. finding a house. It was a foreclosure house, and, you know, like, it was just, the whole process was fun. Fixing it up was fun. So as soon as I had finished that one, I immediately was looking for other real estate for sale, and I thought an apartment, getting a small apartment house would be a good idea. Mm -hmm. So I bought a four-family on Bond Street in the Wedge and okay. spent my evenings working on it after work and once uh, I got it all fixed up I refinanced it and took some money out and bought another one on Alexander Street. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and then just, Monopoly started. And it just came from, from there. there, you know, from like, there. Awesome. Once I when I lost when I ultimately lost that job, I was like, you know, I've had bought I think I had like five or six at that time properties. Okay. And I just decided I wasn't going to go back to work. I was just yeah. going to figure it out. Fuck work. How scary was that decision? It was extremely scary because, you know, I had a family that, uh, you know, I'd started kind of kids and, like, house and, you know, real bills, you know. So, yeah. this, so like, yeah. um, it was very uneasy. Legend family. has five kids, just so you know. Yeah, five so kids? Five oh, shit. Working hard at kids. them kids. <laughs> Good for you. But there was also a sense of relief, mm -hmm. you know, like... When you, when ultimately when you work for yourself, you know, you, there's, it's on you, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. your successes and your failures. They're exactly. On you. So. Yeah. There's something very liberating about that. I mean, I love that. I, I own, I had my own business in New York city for six years and moved back up here, moved up. I'm originally from Rochester and I moved up here and I've been here for about three and a half years now. And I, I you know, I, 
wasn't sure what I wanted to do, whether I wanted to just own my own business again or whether I was just done. I had a partner and, and he bought me out and moved up here. So I just kind of tooled around for a couple months, three or four months, and then went and worked at a couple of places. And it, after some time doing that, I just realized that I just, I suck at working for people. I just can't, yeah. Yeah. I can't fucking do it. I, I just like, I have my own ideas, I have my own passions, and I'm not the kind of person that can, and especially in our, in our field, you have to be very personable, outgoing, you have to be friendly and motivated, you know, even yeah. if you're working for somebody else. I mean, there's, so, and that's what I, and I couldn't, I could not, just couldn't do it. I just couldn't be that person for whatever reason for somebody else. It had to be for myself and for my own dreams and my own ambitions and what I want to do. So that's what I realized. I just have to bite the bullet and, and open my own, get my own business going again and just open my own place and do my own thing and make it successful. And that's mm. the scariest thing. It's the hardest thing ever in the world to do. You know, especially when you're doing it on your own, like you did. You're just doing it from the ground up. You you don't have any. You're figuring it out yourself. You know, and that's and that, and that's that's you know awesome thing to do, but also really fucking scary. You know, so but mm -hmm. I, I realized that moving up here, I'm just like can't. You know, I've told I told my wife and I've told everybody around me. This is it. This is my path. This is what I'm doing. I'm not going back at this point. You know, so it's but it's it's awesome. You know what's funny? All in. The, the highs are worth the lows. I, I've, are, I've almost are, in my life have figured out the exact opposite. Like I've tried to do this stuff on my own and yeah. I just, I feel like I'm alone on an island and I work better in a community and a group. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I always say I'm like a great soldier. And if my passion and my interests are into it, like I want to work with that team. Right. I want to do that thing with that team. That's where I feel the most passionate. And yeah. I recognize that like when it's just me trying to make the decisions, I hesitate. I don't do it. I, I, I let myself down a million times, but when it's a matter of me letting someone else down, I'm fucking in. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to let them down. No fucking way. Right. But when it was myself and my own decisions where I should have stayed up later, or I should have done some more stuff, I didn't do it because I didn't have to. There was no one, like, to be accountable to. And I guess I didn't inevitably hold that pressure on myself. And I think that's what I've figured out over the time. Like, I just, I flourish with groups i flourish part of a team yeah like and i want to be a part of something as a collective mm -hmm. rather than a, a a sole enterprise you dirty um, communist yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dirty i like socialism no, I, 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 uh, you know i like that too you know i think it's yeah. the same thing but i yeah i i would prefer to i mean there's there's like a balance between having a business partner or not because i had a business partner in new york and I, I don't like working. That's the biggest problem that I have. You know, I don't know if you're, we have the same thing, but just being by, being by myself, because I'm isolated a lot on what I do right now because my business is smaller and I don't have a lot of employees. And also I'm, you know, doing a lot of work just sitting at the computer and doing that stuff. So it's like, I understand that. Like I, that, it gets lonely in that sense, but what I love what I do. So that's where I can drive forward. And also I have family. So I know I gotta, you know, I can't, I can't fuck around. Because I got a family to support. Well, I have a family too, and they like, still yeah. fucked around. <laughs> <laughs> you know? no, it's yeah. it's definitely nice to have um, uh, colleagues in the in the it same is. field. You know, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I doing what I do now. I I do it alone, obviously. But like when I was uh, in academic philosophy, when I was in school, I was working with people. You know, and uh, we would work. Uh, you know, work on. Uh, you know, what did this? You know, what did Kant mean by this? Or you know, whatever. So uh, there's definitely 
there is definitely something to be said with what can be accomplished with groupthink. I think. You gotta surround yourself with the right people, whether you're yeah. in business or not, you still need to, it's always a, a good idea to be in a business or to hire the people that can't do the shit you can do and that can do stuff better than you can do it and mm. allow them to be the best that they can be at something that you're not that great at, you know, and then, and then, and then you can really shine because over time, you, if you try to do it all by yourself, it becomes... You're gonna, you're gonna, you can't keep up with it, you know, it's, right. it's craziness, so. Well, yeah, you can't grow a business if you're doing every aspect of it yourself. Exactly. In the beginning, you, you just run out of capacity. Exactly, yeah. And it's awesome to have that, 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 that uh, those people that support what you're doing and, and, and believe in what you're doing, you know, that really want to grow with you and understand what you're doing and, and enjoy it, you know, I think that's a huge hard to find sometimes, but it's a huge, huge deal. My latest approach to with, with regarding staff for my companies is that I always want to have a little bit extra, a little bit more staff so that I'm ready for them. As I continue to try to push growth, yeah. we're always yeah. positioned to be able to absorb right. more. Right. You know? So I always try, it's, some, it's, it's a never-ending battle, but I always right. try to stay ahead of that curve right, right, and make sure that I always have a little extra cushion when it comes to staff in place to do different things. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So Bill, what, 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 why philosophy? What, what drew you to that? You know, what's, uh, uh, I like the, for me, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's like a bunch of puzzles, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and you look back and you know, you can look, look, you know, you can be like, Oh, look at this grand old tradition. But I think like anytime any one of us sits here, you know, I, I hate that whole idea that like all oh, philosophy, it's like this tradition and only philosophers can do that. You know, it's all a bunch of bullshit. Like any, anyone who thinks thoughts is doing philosophy in one form or another. Right. But like, you know, just that idea, like, like the, like the idea, do we have knowledge, right? Like of all of us sitting in this table, looking at each other, how do we really know that we're all actually sitting here, that these mics are here, that all this is here? Like it all would seem straightforward, right? Like if you want to talk about it straight from a scientific standpoint, and like we have sensory data that's coming in and, and uh, uh, you know, of, of this stuff and what I see, what I hear, what I smell. But it's actually way like way deeper than that, and there's all these different ways you can interpret it. And like, so like, how do I know this is a microphone? Do I know it because I'm looking at it? Because that seems weird. Because like, what about that says microphone to me? So then that means so then that suggests that there's some language component to it. But now if there's a language component to it, like, are we putting mixing those together? Is is the language take more you know t uh, more of a foundational part of it? You know, so it's like all these all these puzzles that are involved with think about everything. Um, you know, ethics, you know, like the, the, the old trolley problem, you know, you got like one guy, one guy tied to this trolley or tied to these train tracks. And then you got a group of people tied on this other side. And like this one, the one guy who's tied there is like this really awesome guy who's like saved a ton of people and done all this other stuff. And the group of people, they're just average people. And it's up to you to hit the switch to kill one or the other. You know, how do you, how do you decide? How do you decide who you kill and who you well, don't? You just don't hit the switch at all. That's a decision. Yeah. That's a choice. That's right? still a choice. Yeah, yeah. that's still a choice. Still but see, it's, it's that. That's 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 yeah. always, you know the the brain games, the thought experiments. Right. You know that that stuff has always appealed to me. I think it's always appealed to me since I was a kid. I mean, I was always, you know, big into sci-fi and big in the in yeah. the into science and and uh, fantasy and you know uh, just like stuff that would take your brain on an adventure. Right. You know? kind of, we live in the matrix, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's a view. That is, that is, a, that is a philosophic view. <laughs> I, think, I think inevitably you get told this is the way something is, right? right? And you get told this thing over and over. You need to go to school. You need to graduate and go to college. You need to live your life amongst these set of rules. 
And then you start asking that ultimate question, why? You know, mm-hmm. and like we talked about this last time, but like, you know, we're almost like deconditioned from the question why. Like, because I said so. That's what your parents say. Because I said so. Because I said so. And then by the time you're an adult, you don't start asking why anymore. And you're, you're you know, like, you're just, just doing. You're just, yeah. just robot in this machine, yeah. in this mechanism. But like, I think you need to always have that why question. Why do I want this? Why do I want that? You know, and if you can mm-hmm. have a strong why to any of your kind of ambitions, they make sense. If you're just going after stuff with no why, you know, because that's what society says I need to do, I need to, you know, chase this thing, Mm -hmm. then it's unfulfilling and you're always going to be chasing. And I think as soon as you have like good whys in your your beliefs and where you're going, then you're always going to feel strong and, and fulfilled. It's the whole thing, just question everything. Don't let anybody tell you anything. If you have if you if you have an alarm go off in your brain or in your in your you know gut that says something's not right, then fucking address it. You yeah. Know, just just oh. address it immediately. And I mean, look yeah. at Hugh Hefner, right? Like yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, I know. I know. <laughs> no, but like seriously. That was like, a smooth segue. You know, people thought all kinds of effed up things about Hugh Hefner, you know? He wanted to photograph naked women. But he was... wrong with that? He was, like, an icon of his time. And, like, you know, when did Playboy start in the 50s? Uh, Around there, yeah. 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 And, you know, God. The guy managed to paint, you know, in a lot of men's opinion, the perfect life for himself. And there was probably a lot of why questions he had to go through in that. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, at that time, why are you such a pervert? <laughs> yeah, you, know, you got to think how different society was in the 50s and in the early 60s. You know, you get a lot of that sexual revolution stuff in the late 60s, and I think Playboy actually probably played a part in that. And in the, and in the party and in the in the party era of the 70s for yeah. sure. Like like Hugh Hefner's known for that stuff. But if you look back to the beginning of it, like I mean, he was attacked. He was attacked probably nearly as hard as as Larry Flint was. Because Larry Flynn is just kind of the logical progression of Hugh Hefner. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, you're going to show, show some boobies and, uh, you know, and a little bit of muff while I'm going to, you know, basically pull out the speculum. Right. You know. <laughs> it all seems so calm now looking back at what he's, you know, like compared to, we're so desensitized to it now. Oh, yeah. Because what we have at our fingertips at any yeah. time is so, you know, access, anything. Anything, you know. Yeah. And like now you look back at like what Playboy started out as, it's like, it seems so. Yeah, now it's you can like go on G rated, right? right. Yeah, yeah like you can go on Instagram and see furry porn. Right. You know? <laughs> so so when you guys can answer however you want, but when was the first time like as a as a boy, as a young boy, that you ran into a Playboy? Like you just happened to stumble across it. I'll tell my story first, because I brought it up. But it was, I had two neighbor I had two neighbors, they built a tree fort, and I remember going inside and they, they postered the walls with centerfolds from Playboys that their dad had. And it was like, I went up there and I was like, probably eight or nine years old. And it was just like, holy cow. And I didn't, you know, you, you see it and you, you don't even know what to feel, right? You're like, 
should I be looking at this? I kind of want to look at this, but like, I, I don't know. How <laughs> There's like this weird, like fight all of a sudden internally you have this fight. And I was just like, and I was like, better not let my mom know. I'm sure yeah. not, you know, Gisela went up there and she's like, Rodney. And she like, you know, said, you can't go yeah. in the neighbor street for it anymore. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but so that's, that's, that's kind of my inevitable story. Um, when I first kind of got introduced to it, and it definitely was weird. Yeah. I remember I was at um, my grandpa's hockey camp, and my brother had found a whole box full of them. <laughs> and I, we were, I remember we kind of, like, grabbed the box. And, like, How old were you? I couldn't have been much more than maybe 10, 12. But we grabbed the box and, like, ran out into, like, this different... I don't even remember what it was, woodshed or something, away from any of the other adults so that mm. we could look at them without being caught. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, um, I was probably at 11, 12, something like that, and there's a, a kid who lived across the street from me, and his dad was an avid collector and had this giant box uh, in the closet in his bedroom that was just chocked full of them. So, uh, yeah, you know, my friend uh, at the time introduced me to them, and, you know, we'd go over there and, like, throw them, and, yeah, that whole, whoa, look at this. <laughs> yeah, it just gave you a sense, right? Like, whoa. Yeah, oh, yeah, that sense of like, awe, like, whoa, hey, that's not what the girls in my class look like. <laughs> hey, my, mine was, like, in, we were in, like, some sort of fourth thing, too. I was at my friend's house, and I had to be, like, probably 13, 12, 13, 14, right around that time, right around that age, and he had, I think he actually had found her or he got it from a friend, because I grew up in a super religious, super strict, super sheltered um, life, and he was in the same environment that I was, but he somehow got it. I remember going back uh, in his little fort or whatever, and we'd sit there and look at, look at them, and that was the first time. Same thing, it's like, holy shit, I'm not supposed to be looking at this, but this is fucking awesome. I love it. Um, but yeah, that was, that was my first. It just makes me, it makes me think of like what our generation like that is born into this, like access of anything. Like, you know, like it scares me in a way, right? Like I leave my kid, you know, my 12 year old and I go to the store, like he's playing on YouTube. He's doing all kinds of things. He could search some horrific stuff. Yeah. And find it. It's at his fingertips. And there's nothing I can do unless I take his computer away. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Like, and generations going forward, like, Scary. it's so much different than, like, like, we have to find this unique, weird magazine, right? Where, like, there's, like, pictures hidden between words. Yeah. Right? And now it's all of a sudden, like, at your fingertips. I think the only difference is the individual has to press the buttons to look at look at it yeah before you just kind of stumble in and what's this magazine oh no I used to go no. to little convenience stores and just poke back to the magazine that had the plastic wrapping over top yeah. hopefully they I had the see, black right like, yeah. yeah hopefully I could see a little booby or something just really quickly you know plus I was too damn shy when I got old enough to even buy it anyways you know I would never do it but, uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I was just like ah, I can't do it you know it's it's a sin well there was a there was a uh, a little store uh, over on St. Paul that's still there uh, world was it worldwide news I think it's called and they used to have like a whole row of porn and I remember being like you know 17 we go up there you know we'd be up in the city to like see some bands play or something and we'd go in there beforehand and you like sneak over to the row and 
you know, sometimes you see like some dirty old men sitting <laughs> sitting there reading yeah. the books, but you know, those were the sort of low quality mags where they didn't have any wrapping on them, so you right. can look at like anything you wanted. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad I didn't know that growing up. <laughs> but now, like, like you don't have to like the dirty old man that would go to the actual store to sort that out doesn't even need to leave his house, yeah. right? Which like is they. You know, like, but like they, all they have to do, it's like it's at the fingertips of the individual now. Yeah. You still have to search it though. Yeah. So, so you have to have the. So what is it? Keywords. <laughs> so you brought up a point that you were brought up at a very strict religious yeah. upbringing. I was yeah. too, and I think that really played into like yeah that the intensity of the feelings of when I saw this, like, I, yeah. you know, I was raised to think that from a very, very young age, that that was not okay. Oh, yeah. Not, not acceptable. Yeah, premarital you know, like, sex. Yeah, you'd go to hell, straight yeah. to hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> straight it's to hell. going down. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hell, for sure. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I was so scared of hell. Yeah, so was yeah. I. Yeah, so was I was that. so scared of hell. It's, it's, it's such a, you know, it's, that's, that's, you know, I, I, that fucked me up for a so, very long so time. It, there, there, it's like, it, it's taken me a long time to get over the church and get over that shit and what it's done. It's well, I think there's lasting time. effects that like I'll never fully shake. You yeah. Know, like, um, but yeah, you know that to raise a, a child, you know, and to use the fear of hell, whatever, yeah. they're you know, natural instincts on most occasions right. to do something, but like that everything yeah. is wrong, wrong you know, yeah. wrong, wrong, you know, yeah. Yeah, you're a demon child. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, know? yeah, I, I kind of, in my facet religion, I, I went to Lutheran schools right out of the gate, and like, I remember a situation where I was with a bunch of older guys at a tent event, and they're telling me, like, they were pressuring me to be saved. Oh, yeah. And if I, they're telling me I'm going to go to hell if I don't do this. I'm like 12 or something. Probably around the same time I was, I saw my first Playboy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I just did it. I did it, but I felt, it felt dirty. It felt gross. I felt pressured. Sure. And inevitably in my like spirituality, what that did is it sent me down this road of atheism and like proving it wrong. Like I'm going to prove this shit wrong because this shit isn't right. You know, and kind of coming to yoga and finding my own spirituality in myself yeah. In, in, in how what my place in the world I've kind of come back a little bit but it really jaded me for a long period of time on like especially Christianity like in that new wave Christianity that worst. like like you need to be saved you need to follow these rules like I think inevitably religion is really good like what are we doing when we pray right like it's just intention we're sending intention into the world you know, and if you take the God aspect of it and we're just saying these things in our prayers, like we just are, it's not, no difference than waking up and having a mantra. Like I'm going to wake up and like, you're awesome. You're great. You're going to do awesome things. It's it, or a gratitude journal yeah. or these different things we have, you know? Um, but it's that, that, that I guess it's the, the business kind of conformity of mm -hmm. the church. This is not a form of entertainment, too. It's 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 not a form of entertainment and fucking control. Well, yeah. You know? I mean, religion has always been a tool of yeah. political control, and you know, I definitely. I, I think you know, whether it's it's uh, Buddha or Jesus or Allah or whomever, whatever. Uh, there's a meditative and spiritual aspect to all religions, right. you know, and and I think that's really you know the, the kind of the true nugget. Right, like kind of the real piece of it, but 
when you get a bunch of people together who all, who all believe in the same sort of thing and this thing answers those questions that we can't normally answer, like why are we here, what is good, what is bad, uh, some people are better at talking about that than others. Those people end up start preaching to those others. And then, you know, next thing you know, over a few generations, now you got this structure. You got this religious structure. And with any sort of structure that has political significance, you have to have rules. And these rules come to be, you know, the, the facts of the matter that if you don't do this, this, and that, then you go to hell, you know, or, or whatever it might be. I think the real nugget, though, is more that the church church and these groups give people a sense of family, a sense of community, yeah, and true. a sense of belonging. Yeah, though, that's, a, that's a big part of it, for you know, sure. I think that that's yeah. huge for a lot of people. Yeah. You know? and, that, and for them to be able to get behind something like... You know, I, you've seen it so often. People will get behind anything. You know, they can really feel like they're a part of something. Right. You know. Right. And that's saying something, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I'm a part of something. Like that's where you feel good and. It's well, we're social animals, you know, like we want to be part of the group. It's very rare the person who truly enjoys being alone, and we usually castigate those people. You know, like what is wrong with you? You don't want to be part of the group because we are, you know, we are social creatures by design. I think it's what's crazy is that they think it's so fucking simple. The thing is, is that we are all the same. We are all part of the same group. So if we accept ourselves, then we're all the same. And then you have that support. If you accept yourself for who you are and you just love the people that you're around, that's all you need, really, in reality. of it. That you, And then you don't need... This is right. This is wrong. You don't need. You don't need any sort of. I. You know. Yeah, it's way to too this. simple, Steve. I know it's way too simple. <laughs> it's but way come too on. simple. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's all it is. We're all. We're all God. We're all the same shit. We're all the same. We're all the same thing. You know. And it's. it's I, I think you can. You can take a lot from religion and the stories that you see. Like if you can take some of the the kind of bullshit of the mechanism away mm-hmm. you know what I mean and, and understand the philosophy of it you can really learn from it like the Bhagavad Gita right yeah. the, in, in the Hindu religion it's it's really like the set and setting of that is two battles are about to happen it's the guy that you know it, back to that thing do I make the choice to go into war do I not make the choice to go into the war in like that struggle of that war within you know, like, do mm-hmm. I bring this to the surface or do I leave it in? The struggle inside. And then, you know, he sits there and talks to Krishna and he goes through all these different kind of thoughts throughout that. And you can take that and you can bring that into so many different aspects of our lives today. It's, it's just like, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. Right. The type of philosophy that, like, really makes me want to run. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that authoritative aspect of it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like that, there's actually a place that's burning on fire that I'm gonna spend eternity in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you well, know that's I mean? why it's kind of funny when you were a kid and you had those Lutheran, those fellow Lutherans, telling you that you had to be saved or you're gonna go to hell. That's like the exact opposite of what Luther was up to. <laughs> so it just shows like how like the creators of things can how how their what they're saying can get twisted. Well, that was the Church the of the Nazarene. Century. I was in Lutheran, and then we went to some wild like in the community center church that right. wasn't even built yet, and we were trying to like fund it, and they had like a cool band. And, like, <laughs> you know, I'm guessing. That, that, yeah, yeah, I'm guessing that band wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah. Did they have a, did they have stripes on? 
<laughs> no, we just listen to Striper. Yeah. Uh, Striper. Yeah. <laughs> the devil, man. That, that was a great album. A I can respect yeah. any band that dresses up like a bee. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there you go. Inspired living. That's right. That's right. I think, you know, that's, for me, it's always a big button for me. And I think that's the, that's the thing that really pisses. I bet, really, for the most part, just stay away from people, like, super religious people because of that. Because it's, like, always an excuse. It's like, well, I don't have to worry about God's going to take care of it. Or I don't have to it's like the ultimate God's trump card. Sure. Yeah, it's like... It's, it's the like, ultimate it's cop. Out, it's out of it's in God's hands now. I'm like, fuck you. No, it's always in your hands. Just fucking take care of it, you know. Yeah. Just, and I, and I, I think to a certain extent, like my life, it, it's made it's a it's it, it fed my insecurities. I already was insecure enough with not a lot of support growing up, and uh, and then that religion just just made that insecurity so much crazier in me because it can I think it creates so much confliction because I knew intuitively something's not right here but at the same time I this is drilled in my head this is the this is what I need to be doing and I think that's you know I always I've get on my soapbox about this way too much probably but it's the biggest most frustrating thing to me is I see people it's always people that are really hurting it's like you know it's like you've got Dave Mustang and and and, and these guys uh, that are huge rockers or big, big drug addicts, and then they all of a sudden become like born again Christians. You know, they, it's like it's it's almost like what's a vice? They're going from something one vice to another yeah. vice. Well, granted, it's I guess it's probably healthier to be a born again Christian than a drug addict. Um, but they're going from one vice to another vice and not actually, you know, trusting themselves or loving themselves or being who they who they truly are and just you know realizing. I mean, Dave Mustang, in my opinion one of the most talented guitar players out there, you know, and and just not, you know, just trusting it's who the you Megadeth are. guy? You know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. Guy. So you've got kids. <clears throat> what will be your approach to religion with regard to your children? There is no approach to I don't but, but with my kids it's all about love yourself. Trust your intuition, trust who you are and that's it, period. Yeah, and I, and I mean and I'm very much the same way, but Mike, how old are your kids? I have five and a th- almost three-year-old. All right, so when they come to you and start asking these questions, that's what, like, so how do you, like, I try very hard because my kids are a little bit older now. Mm-hmm. Um, mine range from seven to 14, and okay. they come and ask questions about church and God and all these topics, you know, and I have to try really hard now. And I think that's probably one of the things that I think is the most kind of a shame that, I was raised so intensely with it that it made me hate it so much. Right. But I try really hard not to project that to my kids. Right. You know, because like, I think that, you know, for a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people that I think that, you know, we talk, when we're talking about it, it seems like all the negative stuff about church, but I think that there's a lot of people whose lives are probably better as a result of it. I would agree with you on that one. Yeah. People people really need that structure. And And so I try really hard with my kids to like make sure that I... They don't project the negative, the negative feelings that I have about church because of the way I was brought up with it, onto them. I want them to be able to make their own choices and like explore religion to whatever extent they want to. Um, hopefully, with an intelligent approach, you right? Know? But like, yeah. mm-hmm. with an ability to understand, I would agree and with learn, that. Learn, yeah. you know. It's about learning the life lessons religion teaches you. And that's why I think, again, like Hinduism, like you got 
a fucking Ganesh or monkey god, like the Hanuman. Like he's a monkey man. Like these people didn't. The monkey man really didn't live. Right. But we learn from the stories of the monkey man. It's like watching a cartoon. Because isn't with that stuff, it's like different different aspects of your personality, basically. Yeah. Because it's, it's all within ourselves. Right. right? It's, all, it's all part of you know. Who we and are. and like 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 for instance, Ganesh, like he's on a mouse, right? And that's supposed to be our ego. And he rides on the mouse to control your ego. The mouse is that ego that runs through and like you know just weighs that ego down. So we learn from these stories to use them in the modern world rather right. than like. I'm not praying to Ganesh. Right. Right. It's not um, a separate from you. It is part of you. It is you. It right. Is, and exactly. I think, I think that's for right. me, that's, that's, the, the that's made the most thing. sense. Yeah. Like, um, I think that's, that's the biggest thing is, is that, and also I think people, some people need it. I mean, it's better off. I, I it's definitely better than somebody's going to church and going out there and getting wasted and doing drugs or killing somebody or themselves or something like that. Obviously yeah, that's right. better. But, you know, go to I church think, before heroin. Yeah, go to church before heroin, everybody. Okay, that's the life. That's the lesson of today. Jesus <laughs> before drugs. Jesus before drugs. Or well, <laughs> you're going to find Jesus uh, after drugs. Yeah, there you One go. You're going to find Jesus. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck I was saying. <laughs> but uh, it was... It, I, I think there are some... Because there are different aspects of it. There was... Uh, growing up, I, I don't remember their names now. There was... There was a coffee shop out in Henrietta, on East Henrietta Road, in a corner of East Henrietta Road and Lehigh Station Road. Uh, a long time when I was growing up as a kid, and the people that owned that place, they had like this whole, uh, was Half Moon or I don't remember what it was, coffee place, something like that. But they had this whole East Henrietta and and uh, Lehigh Station Road. Oh wow! <laughs> oh wow! That was your hood. That was that. I I actually lived there for a bunch of years, like right around the corner from there. Yeah, but they had this whole big. <laughs> Not sanctuary, big thing that they had rented out where they had every single religious book and everything in there, and they just told people just said, "Go and explore and just learn about yourself." And I loved that aspect. That's cool. Kids and stuff like that. I think it's important, you know, because you can read the Bible, you can read the Quran, you can read these these things, and they might spark something in you that's like, "Holy shit! This 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 really is amazing!" and allow you to go out there and just be a better person, better version of yourself, you know, and mm-hmm. to really grow as an individual because they all have their, their stories and their parables. They're things that are, you know, good life lessons to learn, obviously. And most of them are just based on love, loving yourself and loving other people and exactly. helping other people. That's it. Yeah. And, and, really, you know. and that also, that also kind of acts as a stop against uh, the, the, the fundamentalist side that religion can have. <clears throat> where you do get those people who say, oh, no, all those stories in the Bible are real. Right. And that stuff really happened. It's not a parable. Totally. You know, yeah. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know, all, all, all that stuff. I think, yeah, when you expose, when you expose uh, children to all of it and just say, you know, here, find the good and the bad. And, and, and you leave it up to them to kind yeah. of do that. And you, all, you know, offer a little guidance here and there. But for the most part, you leave it up to them. I think most people, most children, will inherently kind of gravitate towards the good parts of each one, the and, they'll, and they'll find the, the similarities yeah. in them too. Because there's so many similarities between yeah. all the all the world religions, whether they be Eastern or Western, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's you know, I mean, it's right. It's fundamentalism is what is what gives religion such a bad name. 
You know, I mean, you know, we can talk about like the Westboro Baptist Church here, you know, or you get like the real right wing people in this country who talk about, you know, Muslims and how they're all horrible people. You know, back a a hundred years ago, people were saying the same things about the Jews. Right. You know, so. it's it's crazy too because like you know there's four guys sitting here in this, this room in this house and like we're talking about things and we all kind of have the same thing in common. We want to be good to our families. We want to provide. We want to do all these things. We want to love. We want to be a part of stuff. And right. you could you could put this scenario in the Middle East somewhere where there could be four guys and they all want the same fucking thing. Yeah. And for, for some reason there's this thing that we should hate each other. I shouldn't like you because you believe in this. And I think, like, inevitably the people don't hate. I don't think no. the people from the Middle East actually hate, like, you know, four dudes sitting in Rochester, New York. Absolutely. Do you know no, what I mean? No. Like, It's tribalism, though. But, but, you know, the fact that it is, like, you know, our country ran their country with a bunch of fucking drones, and that pisses them off, and then, like, it becomes a big spite war. How it's, dare you, sir? We were bringing them freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Not to bring it to the political. And hey, look, hey, look. When I say that, though, Obama did it and Trump do it. So I'm not going on either side of that nonsense argument between the left and the right. Oh, well, it's all, it's all, it's all, that's all the same shit. Yeah, it's all bullshit. It's all the same shit. It's all the same shit. Uh, it's just amazing. You know, it's amazing how well. Uh, you know, so like some of the advertising. Uh, this is one advertising company that I'll write for, and. They have both articles that promote George Soros and articles that promote Betsy DeVos. That's what they're looking for right now. So this media conglomerate company, they don't give a shit what side of the political fence you're on because they're making money off both sides. And, like, that's the thing that so many people don't see that. And it's just – it seems like the biggest kind of, like, rigged game in town at this point. You know, especially when you look at uh, politics in this country since Reagan. And you look at like what Reagan was up to and his agenda, that. and then, well, yeah, sure, you can look before that, but I'm trying to talk about people who are our age, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, look, know hey, you want to look from. back? You want to look back to Taft? It's always been fucked up. You want to look back to Taft? We can do that, but <laughs> but so, no, so, it, it really it is. It doesn't matter if it's left or right. They all push the same agendas. So we're four guys sitting here, right? Yeah. Let's pretend the Being Constitution. The Constitution <laughs> is gone, right? Us four were designed to rewrite the Constitution. Rewrite all of that. What are some things you would keep? What are some things you would throw the fuck out? Just love everybody, man. Let's just all smoke some weed. We let, drink yeah. a little wine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we just have less rules. Yeah, right. All around anarchy. Less, less, just less laws. More, more freedoms, less rules for sure. You know, uh, I think the Constitution has actually got a lot of great stuff in it. A lot of things that have been diminished over time. You know, you can talk about the, the amendments, the, or the, yeah, you can talk about the Fourth Amendment. And how that's been eroded away because, you know... me on what the Fourth Amendment is. Uh, the right against uh, uh, improper search, right? So you have a right to your privacy. You know, government can't just come in and step all your... I believe that's the Fourth Amendment. Isn't fucking that completely whack now? Yeah, well, yeah, it's because, because terrorist terrorism, or? right? Like, yeah, because yeah. since 9-11, they've the just been eroding away. It's shot all yeah. You don't have that right anymore. You have that right if. You barely have the right of freedom of speech. Yeah, uh, free speech. That's another one. Free speech has been eroded away. Uh, you can't you can't get certain things on Facebook or on YouTube at this point. They'll, they'll, they'll cut things right off, uh, you know, um, and just say you can't do it. I've gotten shot down, you know, just put, trying to put an ad up. It's like Yeah, but those are private companies, though. They're allowed to do that. 
I mean, just as as a go as a, as a as a free as a public freedom, right? Right. The government will come in and say say you go on the internet and promote Al Qaeda, right? And or promote ISIS, and you allegedly. you start a website, right. and you allegedly start a website, and you promote ISIS. The government can and will and has come in and shut you down and deny you your freedom, and not only that, charge you with a crime over it. You know, not saying that you've done anything, to, done anything to like support them. You haven't given them any money, anything like that. But like that, it's it's just the fact that you're talking about it. Like right. you know, because because you know, then that's going to make people hate the troops and all this and that. Well, you know, I mean, what what does any government really want? They want all the citizens to fall in line. They want everyone. They want everyone to be in lockstep with the creed. You know, what's our creed? We're going. We're in the Middle East right now because we're we're bringing democracy to but these poor people fall? that are under these regimes, and we've been doing it since World War Two. I'm sorry. No, that's right. <laughs> well, it's one of, the, one of the biggest reasons why you get you get psychedelics and stuff like that that are completely 100% illegal. Because what happened? Well, imagine if everybody it did makes you ask why. It makes yeah. you ask why. Imagine if everybody did psychedelics all the time. And I'm not talking about just to get fucked up. I'm talking about you know microdosing or just preparing properly to do these things like. You know, so psilocybin and DMT and ayahuasca. Imagine if, if like everybody did that stuff, how we would all see the matrix that we actually live in. We would all see how beautiful the world is that we live well, in. People would, people, yeah. people would question their indoctrination. People would question their their American indoctrination. Yeah, because right now it, it's so it's so all about oh you're hallucinating, you're just a drug addict or that kind of thing. Dirty so it's hippie. Like, a dirty hippie, you know, all that stuff. But where does that really come from? Where does that stuff come from? From religion. Where does religion come from? Government. Yeah. How was religion started? You know, from government. As a as a as a as a structured thing, yeah. I mean, not you know, how's religion really starts? Bunch of people out in the desert. If you're talking about right. the West, the Western Judeo-Christian tradition, there's a bunch of people in the desert who are trying to escape from other people, and you know, hey, let's all cut off our foreskins so we can tell each other apart. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what about the Anunnaki? What about it? Is that that planet like, thing? Just the idea that like that we actually were seated like from another planet. Yeah, like right, yeah. Right, you know right, what I mean? Like yeah. that now our getting, species was seated on Earth from for whatever reason from another planet. Yeah, I don't know. Like, supposed to know, like lizard like with with some um, scrolls that says we should worship this religion that keep yeah. us fighting each other exactly forever. You know, yeah. you know. Sometimes like there's a Joe Rogan bit where he talks about like us just being like bacteria. Like when he looks down at L.A. and like it's just like you see it, and we we're like fucking ants. If you ever watch cars from space or like from yeah. an airplane, like we're like fucking ants. We we move in the same order when you look at an ant hill. Yeah. You know, we're no fucking different. And we, we go about our days and we drive to school, drop the kids off, drive here. And we're in this order throughout things, weaving in and out and kind of following steps. And it's like, what's the difference? Well, now you're getting into a free will argument right there. Well, the, I love the, this big, argument. the big difference, the big difference that people would say is that we have autonomy to do that. But yeah, how much autonomy do you really have when you have a family, have this job and this community with these standards and these traditions that you are meant to follow? And if you don't, and if you don't follow them, we'll we'll exile you from that community and put you in a in a in a little steel steel and concrete box. You know, you're bombarded by advertisements every single second of every single day, especially now with social media and what that that the more you, 
the more you see that stuff, the more you become um, hypnotized by it to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. they, they, they're, they're smart. I mean, these advertisers, they know. They know how to get into you, under your skin, how to get into your likes or dislikes or... In, well, they're in analyzing, the right? They're analyzing, exactly. just like the traffic on the highway, they're analyzing it's your traffic on the computer. When you think about it, because like yeah. if you go through, like I go through my Instagram feed sometimes and like I'll see, even a couple days later, like an advertisement for something that I was definitely looking at on Amazon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like makes you, and it's like, wow, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yep. You know, it makes me not want to buy it. Yeah. Google AdWords. More than anything, yeah. you know. Like, well, oh. being, being a business and owner and learning all the advertising side of things, I know it, it, it's it's like I know exactly how you how they do that, and they, you, they're you know all the algorithms, and everything you put together. It's so but insane. imagine yeah. this: anytime someone's in Rochester, New York, and they're looking at Mexican eats, yeah, you know, La Casa came up. Right. As a business owner, isn't business. that fucking cool? Like, it is you cool. know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's a balance. There's always that balance, and everything's you know, always going to get. Is it prying into like? I, I think it's cool when you if you Google Mexican restaurant and La Casa comes up. I think that's cool. I think for them to be chasing you down on Facebook, saying, "Oh, hey, you ate Mexican once," you know, it's and we know that Mexican food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. Oh, so you yeah. had tacos last night at home. Maybe next time. Yeah, next maybe time. maybe next time. Right. Try the carne asadas. It's like it's when you go to Wegmans and start buying the, the ingredients, and all of a sudden you get like a random text, then you really have to be scared, I guess, right? So that's next level. <laughs> that's the next level. That's not, yeah. yeah, what do you think's coming up? What do you think's going to be next? Well, what about, well, like, uh, so you know about Elon Musk and the neural net thing that he's trying to develop? So, where it's going to be this net that actually goes over your brain that will basically just connect you, connect you right from your brain. Through Wi-Fi to the web, yeah. so that you can literally kind of like think to Google something, and it just it'll the information will come into your brain. He's yeah. So he's think about the next him. level sort of like uh, manipulation that could come off of that, right? Like now, now not only can I send you advertisements for say say La Casa, but I, I can also like maybe I can maybe I can implant a subliminal message. Well, that's I mean, the, that's, this is kind of sci-fi shit that we're talking about. Well, but, it's, point, but, it's, but you know, is it is it that far off? It's not that far <laughs> off. Think back ten years, this was pretty fucking sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. An encyclopedia, like of anything in your hand. Well, yeah, two thousand seven. People were still using blackberries. But you know what? <laughs> I, I, let's look at like, like this is one thing I think is fucking awesome about having a cell phone is when you get that person, you're at a bar, and that person that thinks they know everything, and they start fucking rambling about what they know. Oh, yeah, you, you can, can shut them down. That, I'll yeah. Google it, and you find the real answers. Like, I think, like, 20 years ago, people, you get Teddy from the bar, you know, he... He knew everything, and he talked a good game, and he said a good game, and everybody believed what Teddy from the bar said. It ruined Teddy's life. Yeah. Now, like, you have to fucking, you better. You didn't know your shit. You know, even on this podcast, if we're talking about stuff, like, we better be able to back it up. Right. Did you mm -hmm. double check what the fourth amendment was yet? <laughs> 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 a good point there. Yeah, you might want to do that. It's the right to advertisement. <laughs> yeah, there's some reason though that I would really like to fucking throw that phone right out. Yeah, I would agree. More days than not. It's so addictive, yeah. you know. It is. So let's like uh, 
punch things? Well, uh, yeah, no, like, yeah. I was I was trying to like down downshift. Down, down, downshift. What are what are some horse? Hey, my lady, my lady's in Indiana. Like, uh, I'm used to a certain kind of, you know, and it's been lonely. Um, We got three sexy dudes here now. You're gonna go. Let's see if I have you in your voice. Oh yeah, it's right. It is a very nice voice. This is good. And here comes Stephanie. (laughs) Next on stage three is Star. so what do you guys do in your life, like, to keep yourself on track? Not enough. Which like, track? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, the track to kind of, like, inevitably, right, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? Do you agree? If you're not growing your business, if you're not growing what your output is, you're dying. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not swimming and dying. Right. So what are some things you do to keep yourself on track or to like reassure that you're on track or like, you know, to take care of yourself? Maybe if it's health and wellness or like, like, I don't know, like meditation or journaling or. I think what it comes down to is balance more than anything. Because if you over um, indulge in any of those things, I don't think it's healthy. And I've seen myself go through those time periods where I get too into one thing and I let myself not balance out the others like you really got like for me to be my healthiest I have to feel like I'm being a very good father you know very active in my kids life and not slipping on that I have to be productive in my businesses I have to be like working on new projects and I have to be taking care of myself physically and mentally you know if I'm not if I start slipping on my yoga classes like I, I don't feel good about myself and it's a trickle effect so I just have to really focus on balance. So yoga. Yoga is one for you. huge for me. I mean, I struggle, you know, I struggle with lots of things, but, like, anxiety is a huge issue for me that I struggle with a lot because I run at 1,000 a, a miles an hour all the time, you know. So stress is something that I just have to figure out how to manage. But my body reacts to stress with anxiety feelings, you know. And I've tried... Therapy. I've tried medication, and I, none of them really seem to have long-term. Like, I was never able to use them for long-term solutions. But right. yoga seems to really allow me the time to like exert myself physically, slow my life down for that time when I'm there, to where I can be present in in that moment, um, and clear my brain. And it really allows me like a reset almost, um, where I can start off at this like nice level plane. By the end of the day, I'm usually right back up there, yeah. and, you know, I gotta, but it's a reset, you know? So like the next morning I get up, I start it again, I'm going to go to yoga, I'm going to wake up every day and do my yoga, you know? Cool. And the days that I, for some reason, can't get it done are always more difficult for me to get through. Definitely. That's awesome. You know? What about you, Bill? Um... Well, first thing I do is uh, I try to make goals within goals, you know? So, like, I have, you know, an ultimate goal of where I see myself as a writer one day, you know? Being, you know, some some famous, you know, quasi-famous person. Whatever, able to make a good living off of it. Sure. But to just have that goal, you know, you got to make all the steps in between to how to get there. So, it's all, all about making these little goals, okay? Like, I have this much output this week. I, I want to increase that by, like, one quarter next week. 
you know, I'm doing just like uh, just this sort of like ad work right now. I want to increase that and I want to try to find a creative job that pays me. You know, whatever. Just little things like that. Little things that, that ever increase what I do professionally. Um, other than that, uh, I don't do yoga, but I do like to go to the gym and uh, go on the elliptical and get in about 30 minutes on that. And that usually, that's that's what is big for me for relieving stress when I'm like anxious and like, ah, I'm not getting enough done. Uh, I go do that and kind of work it out. Yeah. And then I feel a thousand percent better afterwards. Um, and also I try to have a regimen. <clears throat> See, one of the things that always appealed to me doing this for a living is that I can set my own hours. But in doing that, you actually have to set your own hours. <laughs> so, like, at first, it was it's, like... It's a, it's, like, it's a discipline. Yeah, right? yeah. It's a di like anything else, you have to stay disciplined, you know? And at first, I was a little lax with that. And then I'd find myself not being as productive as I wanted to. So now it's like, no, I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to have that cup of coffee, and I'm going to sit down at my desk in my office, and I'm going to write. And I'm going to do that for X amount of hours, then I'm going to take a break, go off and do something, let my brain recharge for, like, 20 minutes, come back, do some more. Then at the end of that day, go hit the gym... Get my get my exercise in, relieve me, and then you know, then I got the rest of the night to myself, or with Alicia to do what I want. Um, but yeah, so definitely regimen, exercise, and and setting those goals within the goals. Having 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 trying to lay down the framework for every step necessary to get to where I ultimately want to go. What do you do, Steve? I um, do, I wake, I have a whole routine that I do most of the time, and that is I wake up in the morning and I do my gratitude. I always, I always write down my dreams if I have a dream, especially if it's something that's significant, because I usually have very intense dreams. So I usually write that down. I usually write down how I'm feeling, you know, what's going on in my life at that point in time. I, too, have struggled with a shitload of anxiety. You know, I've, I've gone through a million different emotions in my life from fear to, to being a very angry person. Now I'm kind of just dealing with like a lot of some of my anxiety and somewhat fear too. But so I'll write down what I'm feeling with that. And I always write down gratitude and I always write down my goals of what I, where I see myself, what I wanted to accomplish in my life. And when I get to those specific goals I accomplished, I check them off the list. And I usually do some sort of meditation either sitting or standing, I do like a horse dance type meditation, and then I'm ready to go off my day. And I'll usually work out for like an hour at some point during the day as well to, to keep myself going. Um, and then at night, wine helps, you know? A little bit of smoky, <laughs> smoky every once in a while, we're good to go. Um, and uh, I mean, that's it. I mean, I run, my, I think my biggest issue is just juggling, well, it's not just mine, it's probably all of our issues to a certain extent is just juggling everything. Like you were saying, you have five kids. I can't imagine having five kids, but it's 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 being able to, because I'm still in startup phase in my business, and um, so I really need to be working 24-7, and I can't work 24-7 because I have kids. You know? Right. And so it's that balance and being able to do that, and, that, and, and, and that creates anxiety. It's like, well, I want to spend time with my kids, but I also need to do this, and it's like, so... And, and, and journaling, helping, writing that down, and writing, okay, I have to be very specific, you know, but I, you can always sit down, I can always sit down and do busy work, and just, there's shit that only needs to be done, but does it really need to be done to get to my ultimate goal, not necessarily, it's not that right at that point in time, so it's prioritizing, 
what do I need to do today to make sure that I'm getting closer to where I want to be in the future, you know, and, to, and, and, and moving forward and moving things forward in all my different business endeavors and stuff. So that's, that's a huge part of it, too. I think that's a huge key component. Like, I think when I find myself super overwhelmed with everything that I got going on, like, what do I need today? Right. What can I do today that will inevitably, like Bill was saying, get me closer to the goals and the things I want to accomplish rather than like, I got to accomplish this today, that tomorrow, this in two weeks, and I got 30,000 things going on and I'm thinking about all of them right now. Yeah. You know, instead of like, what can I do today to accomplish the things I need that will help me tomorrow? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and then tomorrow I do it again and then I do it again and knowing that like, you know, I can only do so much and finding that compassion for myself to like, okay, maybe I'm going to play black ops today and I'm, I'm going to turn off everything, you know? I think it's important is taking care of you. You got to take care of yourself first. And we've, this has been a big mantra on our podcast with a lot of them is really taking care of yourself because you don't take care of yourself and you, you're, you're, you're not going to be the best father, the best husband, the best boyfriend, the best lover, the best business owner, or whatever or the best girlfriend, doing, or the best girlfriend for you guys, I know that says, especially you want that hair down, it's just the flow. Don't assume Rodney's gender. This is another perfect segue. Oh, there you go, exactly, we can start on that bullshit, oh my god. So, like, like, Elijah, let me ask you this, like, when you were kind of first starting out in the real estate, kind of like in the beginning, did you ever spend time visiting where you're at now? So, spend time. Sorry, the moments. I don't feel like I gave myself a lot of opportunity to really reflect on much early on. You know, like it was. Uh, I felt like it was just this mad dash. You know, like it was a race. Yeah. You know, and you don't take a lot of time during a race to look around right or to you know like it's mm. just like you're on this mission and like I was just dead set on building something you know and like it was just full war ahead you, you know? were focused focused but I missed a lot of things I feel like looking back like my life transitioned immensely in the last five years um, and that's really allowed me to look back and reflect and see what I don't want to continue and what I do want to continue but like early on I mean, I was young, you know, like I started doing this in my, you know, early 20s and uh, I didn't fucking go to school for it, you know, like I had no prior education or no like mentor. I just jumped in and figured it out Figured it out as I went, you know, and I'm still learning every single day. I learn more and more about what I do, you know. That's important for everybody right now. Just take a quick second to listen to what, what was just said. I think that that's... You know, coming from somebody, I'm 42 years old, and it's taken me a long time. I would, in my 20s, I never had that focus, you know. And the reason why I didn't have that focus, I for a couple things, I never had the the confidence in myself. But I also, I always, always, always make excuses why I don't have the education or I don't have the skills or anything like that. But you don't, like you just say, you don't need it. You just go and get it. Yeah, you just learn it. You fucking figure it out. And that's such an important thing for people to understand. That's awesome. Yeah, the best way to remodel a bathroom is just go smash it up with a sledgehammer. Well, I mean, that's how I learned how to do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I fucked it up more times than I can count, but eventually I figured out how to do it, you know? Right, yeah. 
That's how I learned how to. to but it's the scary <laughs> part of like, what? Is, what is the fear, right? Like so many of us, like, I mean, I, yeah. who are you failing? Yeah. If like, like I yourself, have a, you're failing yourself. Failing so yourself. I'm, I'm yeah. scared to let myself down. Yeah. Yeah. You, you usually learn the most through a failure. Yeah. That is absolutely true. Absolutely 100%. true. But it, 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 yeah, that's the worst thing, right? If you fail at something and you get nothing out of it. Yeah, that's the that's worst. Really yeah, yeah. Has um, it happened to you? Where I failed and, and got nothing out of it? Yeah. I don't know if that's possible. Oh, yeah. I, I think I if you're... I couldn't think of anything. There might... I mean, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I'm sure in some time in my, like, teen to early 20 years, when I was a complete fuck-off, I'm sure I could find some instance. But I can't think of one off the top of my head. But, you, but I, I feel like even if I could think of an instance <laughs> like that, that I, would, I could look back at you it and be like, I, yeah, I learned something. something. Because yeah. like I'm not doing it again, you know what I mean? Right, right, yeah. Because I feel like if you're if you didn't learn from it, most likely you're repeating it again in some level. Mm-hmm. You I, know. I think failures in general brings up a topic that I like stew on regularly because like I think commonly people really focus on their failures. You know? Yes. Personally, I know I do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's taken a lot of self like improvement for me to not let myself. Um, be defined by those failures, mm. you know, because it's very yeah. easy to do. Yeah, I think it's a common human trait. Yeah. Like, I think we yeah. we look in the mirror, right? Are we looking at like our our sexy smile and our good hair, or are we looking at our fat belly? Yeah, for a you minute, I, mean? I look at that. Right? You know what I mean? I think it, it becomes the habit. It's like whole conversation um, you have with yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's the habit of like you know positive self speak and stuff like that like and I think recognizing even the internal voice I mean Steve talk about the monkey mind all the time that guy yeah. inside that likes to dictate shit to us and how it can fuck you up if you're constantly listening to that and you gotta like push that fucking monkey mind back for a second and be like no what is it that I want how do I want to feel and recognizing that compassion for yourself yeah, it's huge. Having compassion for yourself and love for yourself is freaking huge because that's when you can really not only be successful, but be successful and happy at the same time and like feel like accomplished and like, you know, it's... Yeah, it's, and it's, it's not like a fucking goal, right? It's not like yeah. today I'm going to be fucking an asshole to myself. Right. You know what I mean? I wake up today and I'm going to be, I'm going to be, tell myself I'm unworthy and I'm a piece of shit, you know, like you just all of a sudden find yourself there. And I think that recognizing that I'm in this rut of like negative self-speak and, and, and doubt inevitably like, okay, I'm there. What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. You know? And I think back to our habits, right? Going back to yoga, going on an elliptical, writing down like what we're grateful for. That's like the step back just to like square one again. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and like, let's get back to there and then we can live you know, I worked for a company and we talked about being above the line and below the line and you never like wake up and like, today I'm going to be below the line. Right. You know, you just end up there and, and it's natural, I think. And, and it's, it's, it's the person that can recognize that they're living in a place below the line that can pick themselves up back above the line. Yeah. yeah. And it can happen so easily too. You know, you could be on, right, the guy driving to work who gets cut off by someone. And, and that, you know, it's like someone, someone cuts you off and honks at you and tells you to go screw or whatever. And then that right there just killed your whole day, yep. you know, and for the rest of the day, instead of like focusing on the things you need to focus on, you're focused on that. And that's just driving these bad negative emotions. 
you know, failure should be, if you're in that positive mind state, failure should be like, uh, almost in a way, a good thing because it's like, okay, this isn't the way to get this done. Now, what can I take from that and, and move on to a, a more positive conclusion? You know, it's, it's, I think when you're in that negative state to where it all goes to shit. Yeah. Yeah. So when you let some random person affect your whole fucking day like that, who has no idea who you are, I mean, it's just, if you look at it in that sense too, it's like, it's the same thing. I think we said this last podcast. It's like, it's like when you say, I'm never going to forgive that person. Well, it's like the dumbest thing ever, because if you never forgive that person, that person is not affected by that whatsoever, but you are a hundred percent, 100% affected by that. And it's science-based proven fact that hate, anger, resentment mm -hmm. has a chemical reaction in the brain and in the body that can cause a whole host of issues, including cancer, including many other diseases and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's like, just fucking and forgive and forget and move on. It's really happy. a compassion for yourself, yeah. right? Like, yeah, give, yeah, your, yeah. give yourself yeah. a break. You don't yeah. need to hate everybody. And not everybody's going to like you. Of course. Don't be so hard. Yeah. Don't be so hard. I mean, what... what, what uh, everyone yeah. loves me. I what have you guys... I, I would say... <laughs> <laughs> I, I know both of you personally, and I know both of you personally have many people outside that have been critical on you. And how do you deal with that in your life? People are critical of me. Oh God! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> like, but like, and, and how do you not take that into heart and really like? Oh, I always take it to heart. It's you know, brutal. Depends what they're saying. Depend, you know, if it's if it's like, oh, uh, you know, uh, Billy's an asshole. He says jerkish things. Well, you know what? I fucking am, you know. And, and I don't, but I'm not just a, a jerk to people for no reason. It's usually it's because you're acting in some sort of shitty way that I notice and it elicits a response from me. You know, I have a big mouth and I'm quick to I'm quick to say something. Um, if someone's critical of me in a way where it's something that would bug me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it gets on. Yeah, sure, it'll get under your skin, but then you got to think about it and think like, okay, like, am I really that person? Am I really that person that they think I am? Are you? Yeah, am I? <laughs> you know, or or is that kind of just a sort of facade that they've built up upon me? You know, where they don't really see me for the true me. You know, well, I know, I know you build that up though. Then I, I mean, you get to ask yourself like, how did that happen though? Yeah, well, that's usually my loud mouth. <laughs> of which I make no apologies for, by the way. <laughs> Fuck you, haters. <laughs> I don't know. I struggle with it a lot, you know. And I try, and it's you know something you got. I I have to like talk to myself about regularly is like not being sensitive to people. Because commonly, the, my biggest critics that I've never met me don't know, anything, you know like, mm. don't really know anything about me other than their perception of me. You know? Right, right. Yeah. And that can be skewed so easily. Mm -hmm. you know? So easily. You know, oh, one one person that feels slighted by you from yeah. at one time can sit there when they're around their twelve friends at the bar and tell all of them a negative yeah. story about well, you, and then it just spreads like wildfire. Yes. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that's like a bad experience, right? At like a specific place, right? You tell everybody, and then people are like, "Oh, don't go to that restaurant," you yeah. know, because cause Steve had yeah. a bad experience yeah. there, you know, and then like you build these preconceived judgments right. of people based off other people's opinion. Yeah. 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 And also yeah. isn't it so weird those that those opinions, they're always very just kind of like very one dimensional, right? Like if I'm in a if I'm in a, a situation where I'm hanging out with Elijah and he does one thing throughout the course of the night that I think is shitty. Right. 
right? Whatever that might be. The rest of the night could have gone great. Right. But if I'm then when I'm talking to people about it, what am I what am I focused on? That one little right. thing, that one little aspect, you know. And that I mean that's that's gossip, right? right? That's exactly what that is. It's just it fascinates me how we as humans so easily do that. Well, yeah, you know? it's like you go into like your review at your company and you've got 36 things that you've done awesome, but you have that one area of opportunity. And what do you fixate on? Exactly. The one area of, area opportun of opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> that's some salesman. That's some salesman shit right there. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's just like, you know, it's Personal like, it's experience. like, what? Because it really, what, no, but that's like code for like the thing that you did wrong, right? Like right. Yeah. Part it, you sucked at. It's a good way to yeah. say it's, it's yeah. an area of opportunity. Was that from that? Job where you went door to door selling stuff? No, there's a there's a there's a Brene Brown. She does a, a TED talk on vulnerability, and she talks about the same thing within uh, that TED talk. You know, and that's such a nice way no, of saying that's, not, that's not where I got the yeah. area of opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta use that really soon before I forget it. So I have an area of opportunity to talk to you about. <laughs> I don't believe you've never heard that before. I've never it's heard kind of like common lingo in my language. You know, like I look at my own personal areas of opportunity all the time. Like where can See, I I've be heard, better? Like, I've heard room for growth. Like I've heard of that one before, but yeah, never like area of opportunity. Yeah, yeah I haven't looked at it from that perspective. Yeah, that yeah. statement either. But you know that you but regardless of the language right? <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. regardless of language we we fixate on that area of opportunity like why how can I fuck man I like why can't I get that one but we have 36 things that we're awesome at right yeah. and there's that one thing that we find ourselves like fixated on yeah and you know what it really comes down to I think is you gotta you know look at that thing that that area of opportunity and say you know what does that really matter to me you know, do, if I don't fix that in my life, whatever that might be, does it matter? And if it does matter, then work on it. And ultimately, if it doesn't matter, then throw it out. Who cares? Who cares what someone? You know, who cares if someone else doesn't think that thinks that you should be acting in a certain way that you don't? Here's one of the things that I've learned: just reading a ton of shitload of books, watching, you know, just learning about being being just a better entrepreneur and stuff like that. Is that you must focus on what you're good at, improve what you're good at. Don't try to improve what you're not good at because you're just spinning your wheels all the time. Right. So you know what you're good at, just fucking do what you're good at. That's it. it. But I would Keep challenge you. I would challenge you on that because I think what inevitably always haunts us in life is that one thing we avoid. Only if you only if you allow it to. I mean, you're not, it's not about avoiding though. It's not about if, avoiding. If that one it's thing about that, accepting that, you're not good at this kind of, you're great at this. Like, what if that one thing you're good at is not being a good business owner? Well, then you shouldn't be a business owner. But I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, like in, in our, our own personal development, right? Like if we struggle with, um, uh, like uh, intentional listening, right? We're not a good listener, and every time someone tells us something, is talking to us in certain things. We're not listening fully, therefore it, it constantly comes up and it comes up and it comes up and it comes up. I think I think we're looking. I think you and I are looking at two different things as we're, far as we're, yeah, because you're looking at the tools. I'm looking at a development for your person for, for who you are or others like anybody. Like we want right. to develop ourselves, right? And like where are our areas of opportunity as a whole? Like, am I a good listener? Right. You know, do I have integrity? When I say I'm going to do things, do I actually follow through with those things I say I'm going to do? Not only with others, but with myself. But I agree with that. And I don't know how to, I don't, I, maybe, 
maybe you guys know better. Maybe if it's like like carpentry, you know, some kind of skill. Skill. Okay, there. That's the word. If there's a skill, I'm talking about skill. I'm not talking about us as because. It, I'm not saying oh I'm not saying this not I'm not saying oh I'm just not a nice person so no that's not my skill set so fuck it I'm not gonna be a nice person that's not what I'm saying I'm saying you be the best version of yourself that you could possibly be and keep working on that and that's always a, a work in progress but you're gonna find the tools that best suit you to do that so you might be a meditator you might be a yoga person you might be a weightlifter whatever it is there's specific things that are gonna make you a better version of who you are as an individual right so that's one aspect of it but I'm talking about more of the skill aspect what do you bring to the world to help other people what 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 skills do you have that are natural to who you are those are the things you should be focusing on. Not it, like if you if you're not a good writer, don't fucking write. Don't focus on it. You know, hire somebody to do that, or find somebody else that can help you do don't that. Don't waste time beating yourself up because you're right. not good at it. Exactly. No, I get it. I, I get what you're That's saying what I'm too. Saying. I'm not saying that to to ignore those. But at, to be the devil's advocate, like, what about? Oh, I don't do yoga because I'm not flexible. But that's not. That's, but that's. But that's. That's. But that. Per, I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. And also, that person might not meet. Might not be at the right place to do yoga at that point either. Maybe they. Maybe. Maybe they're the person that's going to go do some some weights to get them into it to get their the mind. As long as they're moving, that's the important thing. I'm, that's not a skill set in my opinion, unless they want to be a yoga instructor. That's more of a modality to get healthier. Mentally, physically, and emotionally. I'm talking about a specific skill set that you're that you bring to the world. What yeah. you do as 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 to make your money or to 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 supply for your family. That kind of, that's more what I'm talking about. You know, I and I think I think the the best leaders and the best uh, like heads of companies are ones that bring in people that are good at shit they're not, right? Course, yeah. Like they're recognized, like this is where I don't, I struggle. Yeah, I'm gonna bring in mm-hmm. this architect because he's way better at that than I am because I didn't go to school for that and I'm not good at it, you right. know? Um, right. exactly. So I think it, that is self, you have to be able to self-reflect on the areas of opportunity to improve the collective of whatever you're building. Yeah. Well, this is definitely. definitely. Mm-hmm. This has been good. Um, it's amazing. So we always like to uh, kind of wrap things up with the podcast. Oh, wrapping things up is that what you do? Yeah. <laughs> so, is this the rap segue? <laughs> this is the rap segue. <laughs> Ronnie's the segue master. <laughs> 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 No area of opportunity right. well, there. A, this this goes into the last kind of discussion of the topic. Like, this just kind of brings it, yeah. this brings it, like, you know, and this kind of the last segue can last a while. Um, what do you guys, what would you guys recommend to anybody else that, say it's that kid that just graduated high school and he wants to become a writer, or that kid that says, I want to get into real estate, um, and, like, how would you give them advice to go about getting the shit that they want in their lives? Either uh, of you can go write. first. <laughs> yeah, like if you're if you if you want to write, you're obviously already writing. Keep doing it. Do it more. You're not doing it enough, no matter how much you're doing it. Um, it you know, I'm not big on academia, even though I've even though I've gleaned a lot from it and gained a lot from it. I'm not big on it because it is such a uh, uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's just kind of this mill, right? It's just kind of this mill that you that they just shove kids through, and it, it's exorbitantly expensive and all that. I would say, however, if you wanted to uh, get some higher education about that, that would have to deal with helping you become a better writer, I would recommend taking some philosophy, taking some creative English, and taking some journalism classes. Because in those in those three fields, especially with journalism, if you have some of that under your belt when you get out of college, that is the easiest field to get into with a degree, as far as as, as just writing goes, as pure writing goes. Um, news outlets are always looking for young people to write. You're not going to get paid a lot to start, but it's a way. It's a way to get in. Um, being a creative writer, being a philosopher, being a historian. Or anything else that's writing intensive, you know, um, you're gonna have to go that full route. You're gonna have to get a PhD, ultimately, and teach, you know. Yeah. Um, or, or you just you hit it big and uh, you become this creative writing. You know, you become the next Stephen King. But it's only so many Stephen King. Stephen King go to school? I don't believe he did actually. I think he just like like got maybe like a bachelor's degree. I don't think he went. He didn't go to like uh, grad school. I know that. But I would I would say ultimately I would say. And I would think this for a lot of fields nowadays. I think education in an academic formal setting is almost kind of secondary. You know, that I think a lot of businesses in a lot of different fields, if you can demonstrate a mastery of a skill, whatever that skill set might be, that they're going to be more apt to hire you than if you just show up with a degree and say, I know this because this piece of paper says I do. My turn, huh? Your turn. <laughs> giving advice is so hard for me because <clears throat> I'm still constantly learning as I already said and I think the only advice I can give anyone that, if they came up to me and said I want to get into real estate I guess I've been there depending on what phase of their life they're in I think would make a huge difference in the advice I gave them but if it was a young person I think you said that was looking yeah. for advice on how to get into it I would probably encourage them to take a lot of risks um, to work hard, to learn every aspect of every trade that, that they could be involved in, to soak up as much knowledge of everything around them as they could, and to get their hands dirty through the entire process, to try and do everything themselves, to try and screw up everything at least once. You know, like, mm -hmm. The faster you get through the screw-ups, the quicker you get to you know, place where you won't. You know? So awesome. don't be afraid of any of it, you know, like who cares if you've never knocked a wall down, knock a wall down, who cares if you've never evicted someone, evict someone if you have to, you know, don't be afraid of the process, never fear the unknown. Cool. Love it, hmm. love it. All right, you guys, again, thanks a lot for uh, listening to the podcast. If you um, please like and share, that's awesome. And any comments that you have, please Leave them on iTunes or Facebook or wherever you may be listening to this specific podcast. We thank you all so much for listening, and we look forward to uh, giving you guys the next podcast. Thank you very much. Share, like, and we will talk to you guys soon.